Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It is Wednesday, March 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Free agency news continues to pop in the NFL, and the Chiefs have been active. They've bid farewell to Super Bowl starters like Damian Williams, Eric Fisher, and Mitchell Schwartz. They made a splash signing in offensive lineman Joe Tooney. On today's Sportsbeat KC, beat writers Sam McDowell and Kirby Teope say the Chiefs aren't finished. I spoke with them on Tuesday evening, and we emphasized that by the time this show is posted, more news likely will have occurred, and that's already proven true. We speculate in the show about the Chiefs' chances of signing offensive lineman Trent Williams. Well, that's not going to happen because early Wednesday, Williams re-signed with the 49ers. That's how fast things move in free agency. So let's get started talking Chiefs with Herbie and Sam. Since the last time I talked to Herbie and Sam, so much has happened. You know, guys, we haven't talked since the uh, Mitchell Schwartz and, and Eric Fisher um, were released. But we'll, we'll get to the offensive line in a second. Um, let, let me start off by saying we're recording this on Tuesday evening. It's going to be posted on Wednesday. Things can happen between now and then because for the last two days, things have been happening almost hourly with the Chiefs. Let's let's start with the latest uh, on our timetable, and that is uh, Damian Williams, no longer a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. I was a little surprised by this, but maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, Herbie, why don't you? Why why do the Chiefs um, not uh, not bring back Damian Williams? There are two factors here. Obviously, the the the, the move saves the Chiefs a little more than two point one seven. So if you round that off, two point two million in cap space, so now you have that. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you've got Daryl Williams, who they signed to a one-year deal today. Uh, you've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire return. you got Darwin Thompson returning. Those are the running backs they had last year. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell is an unrestricted free agent, but for all intents and purposes, it was pretty much not even a factor. So you've got those three running backs coming back. Um, Damian Williams opted out last year. You're going to, you know, he is playing this year. That's his full intent is to play this year. But a, a whole year away from football might have said something about, do we want to bring him here when we've got three players that we know we're comfortable with? And it's going to be a crowded backfield. So they released him today. And, you know, Chiefs fans are going to remember him forever. The game ceiling 38-yard touchdown run against the San Francisco 49ers, the Super Bowl 54, Mr. Postseason, 10 freaking total touchdowns over the last two postseasons. Six, six on the ground, fourth in the air. And he's a guy that, that you know, Chiefs fans will remember with a fond memory. Yeah, he, with the Chiefs kind of kind of saved his career, put at least put it in the, on the fast track, didn't they, didn't they Sam? I mean, he was, um, he, he was, it was with Miami, right? And, and uh, he comes to the Chiefs. And even though he, he, he was never the, a full season starting running back, it's like Kirby said, he, he played, he was, at his best in a Chiefs uniform uh, when they needed him most. Yeah, I mean, he was at his best in the postseason. It, it was just it, – it's kind of a weird situation with him opting out last year and Daryl Williams, you know, making the most of his playing time also in the postseason this last season. So um, it, it's just funny. I kind of thought going into this offseason that they were going to have to make a choice between Daryl Williams and Damian Williams. And once Herbie reported that they had signed Daryl Williams to upwards of $2 million, I, I, I texted him immediately. You know, 
just a, a sort of behind the scenes of this free agency period, I'm, I'm talking with Herbie way more than I would like to. So, <laughs> so I, I, texted him, <laughs> I texted him immediately and I said, there, you can't pay three running backs $2 million. And so I thought that could be the writing on the wall for Damian Williams. And I wondered if, if perhaps the decision rested more with Daryl as opposed to Damian because he brings something different than what they have. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a, a more of a similar skill set to Damian Williams. Darrell Williams is a lot different skill set. We saw he's more of a, a north and south runner. And so I think that keeping him is just, just to maybe get all the sorts of pieces of the puzzle together rather than, than, than trying to squeeze two similar items there. I thought Darrell Williams certainly, when, when given the opportunity this year, made made the most of it. Uh, I, wish he, I, I wish he would somehow – you know, caught the pass in the Super Bowl, you know, at the end. Uh, he was the one that dropped the Mahomes parallel to the ground fling. But, but look, he, he's, he had a great season for, for the Chiefs, for where he was drafted, for what his expectations are, and did, didn't have a fumble problem this year. I know he's lost a couple of fumbles in his career, but that wasn't an issue this season. I think 31 is going to uh, continue to be in the Chiefs' plans for, for another, another couple of years. There is yeah. another dynamic at play, too, Blair, and maybe this is something I don't think the Chiefs might have considered it, but, you know, it, it's pretty well known that he and Edwards Alaire have a very good relationship going back to their days at LSU. I mean, Clyde Edwards Alaire all of last year kept saying that he liked the idea of being in the same locker room again with Damian Williams, excuse me, Daryl Williams. So many Williams on this roster <laughs> with Daryl Williams. So that, you know, the fact that, you know, you have these two who are close friends, and that, that should bode well once again for this backfield. Sam, you mentioned it. Let, let's pause before we talk about any other s- specific situation and tell me what it's been like covering free agency. This is your first kind of deep dive into it, if you will, and Herbie's been doing it for a while. But um, I, I know that I'm glued to social media these last couple of days, but certainly into last week and, and these two days when it officially started on Monday. It's nonstop news. And any trends? Have we seen any trends in free agency with uh, not just with the Chiefs, but the NFL in, in general? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, one thing you learn is that positions sort of go on waves. Um, once once the top guy is off the board at one position, you, you see the next tier. I mean, we saw that with quarterbacks over just the last couple of hours as we're sitting here talking on, on Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely 24 seven, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that I've got somebody on the beat who's not only done this several times, but realizes that I haven't. Um, so Herbie has been extremely helpful in that sense, but it's just, it's just a lot of reaching out to people and sort of hoping for the best and, you know, um, but people, I know fans are glued to social media, Herbie and I are as well. And of course, you know, we, you, you try and get some of these yourself. You know, we were lucky enough to get three or four today and um, hopefully the rest of the week turns out okay as well. well hold up. How painful was that for you to say that I was helping you there? And I, I have to know because I'm touched right now. You, my heart is pumping right now. Yeah. Um, our boss, Jeff Rosen, sent me a text during the middle of this recording and said, if you could give Herbie a boost, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh mission accomplished so um 
Yeah, I'll tell you, Herbie, something else I've noticed here, sometimes some teams are more active than others, obviously, and the New England Patriots, my goodness, um, they are are reshaping their team, aren't they? I think that's got to be the fallout from the Tom Brady effect from last year. You know, they lose him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and, of course, there's got to be, I'm speculating here, but there's got to be some ego up in New England. Well, we can win without Tom Brady. Well, we, we saw last year they couldn't. They had a lot of holes on that in that roster, and, and wow, did they ever make a splash. The two moves that I absolutely love, the two tight ends, Jonah Smith and Hunter Henry, I mean, they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel packages with that stud tight end group there, and I think they made a lot of good moves, with the exception of you still got to have a quarterback. <laughs> you know, they, they got a lot of a lot of question marks there, but yeah, they were players. They spent a lot of money. Their quarterback is a really interesting situation. I know we don't get too deep on the Patriots, but I thought it was hard to grade Cam Newton last year because he had nobody to throw to. And it, it, that's a tough situation for any quarterback. And we saw how Patrick Mahomes was because he didn't have an offensive line. I think you could have similar problems with your quarterback when you don't have guys to throw to. Well, they added four guys for him to throw to, two receivers and two tight ends. So Cam Newton's not going to have any excuses not to have a productive year for New England uh, in 2021. Fantastic point, Sam, because when he was throwing the ball in Carolina, his go-to target was tight end Greg Olson. So that, that's a good point. They're, they're surrounding him with weapons. Well, I think we saw um, an offense similar to what or at least the the reason Tom Brady looked to get out of New England, he, there wasn't anybody to throw to his last year there, and we saw it cost him, you know, toward the end of the regular season, and then certainly in that playoff loss to the Titans, and then he, he gets the weapons in Tampa Bay and, uh, and and makes the most of them. Okay, let's let's get back to the Chiefs. Uh, I love the headline, the subhead Taco Tuesday. Um, so what's the Turby? What's the thought on bringing uh, Taco Charlton back? You know, I think they saw enough of him through seven games last year where he was in a rotational role, and he was he was actually quite productive in that role. Uh, two sacks, four quarterback hits, and just imagine what he can do with a full season, a full off season, uh, if the Chiefs actually have a good workout scheme in place outside of virtual. I, I, I thought he showed enough where you, you had to bring him back. Uh, he's going to be recovered from his leg injury. So I think I thought it was a good signing, and on a one-year deal, I don't have the finances on that, but you got to think it's not not something that's going to hurt the Chiefs. Yeah, I like the signing as long as he fills a similar role to what he was supposed to fill for the full course of 2020, which is like Harvey mentioned, a rotational guy that comes in on nickel and dime packages on third downs. Um, if he's a guy you're relying on to to maybe take a step forward and snaps, I I guess my point is I, I still think they need to address that position at some point this offseason, even with getting Taco Charlton back. Agreed. Okay. Um, before we move on to the offensive line, let's, let's uh, a couple more. How about Dion Yelder? Um, they the the Chiefs not bringing him back. What what is the tight end situation now with the Chiefs? It's kind of bleak. <laughs> Outside of Travis Kelsey, I, right now you've got a. Uh, Nick Kaiser, who's an exclusive rights free agent, we haven't heard yet whether he's going to be tendered, but you got to think they will. Uh, but even if you bring him back, if I'm not mistaken, those are the only two tight ends you're going to have on the 2020 roster returning from last year, unless there's a surprise and they bring back Ricky Seals Jones, which, quite frankly, I don't see that happening. So they have to address tight end here, and probably they're going to be in free agency or the draft. But, you know, obviously Kelsey is the stud, he's the starter, but. 
behind him, it's kind of bleak right now. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't had a, a second receiving tight end really since Demetrius Harris and, and he had trouble catching passes. I mean, he, he had the drops too often for, uh, for chiefs fans. Um, the other, the other one who, uh, the, uh, you know, I got my information today from social media, but also this, you guys did a terrific job on the, uh, on the tracker on the Kansas city.com site. So I was keeping up with, uh, you know, keeping up with the chiefs moves with that. Alex Brown was the other, uh, other name, not a, not a big name, um, Sam, but, uh, uh, they, they, the chiefs decided not to bring him back. Yeah. I mean, as a cornerback that you thought, you know, if they could develop him, he'd fit this system because he's a physical guy. Um, but unfortunately for him, he, he tore his ACL in a, in a practice last August. And so he, they just never really got to see him in game action. He, he was a guy that was on the Super Bowl roster. I don't know how many people would know that, but he, he did play in the Super Bowl. He played in all three postseason games in, in 2019, I, I guess January and February of 2020. Um, but just, just you know, when, when you can't get on the field and you're not able to get evaluated, it's tough for a guy that's already considered a little bit of an underdog there. Okay, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will get into the offensive line, which is where the Chiefs have um, really uh, made made a lot of news this uh, last couple of days. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, we're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, guys. Let's um, let me let me start the, the offensive line part of the show by asking you, what is the Chiefs' offensive line going to look like in opening day, twenty twenty one? Herbie, who go across the go across the line, and who tell me who your starter is? And I'd love to know if you think the left tackle is on the roster right now. Okay. <laughs> From left to right, if I were to guess right now, uh, left tackle, unknown. <laughs> yep. left, left guard, Joe Thune. Uh, center, I'm going to say Nick Allegretti. At right guard, I'm going to pencil in uh, Ron Duvernay-Tardif. And at right tackle, unknown. I, I, maybe Lucas Nang at right tackle if they sign a stud left tackle. The left tackle's got to be a stud. You, you cannot protect the most important position without having a stud at the second most important position. So I, I think they're not done shopping. Well, I, I, I still think that left tackle is a position that they're trying to address right now, probably even as we speak here this week. And, um, you know, I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago on this very fine program, Blair, that I thought Allegretti could, could play center next year. And I still think, you know, he was drafted as a center. I felt like he played okay in his, his first go-round on the field. You know, he was a second-year guy last year, but really his first uh, action. Um, I still think he's he's going to be their guy there. And I know that, uh, of course, there's there's a, a Raiders guy, former Chief, that got released today. 
Um, we'll Rodney see, Hudson. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what kind of the, what the money is there. I, I, I think he could be too expensive for the Chiefs unless they would also go cheap at left tackle. Um, but I, I think that they need to invest their resources at that left tackle position. They, they seem to be really high on Lucas Niang. We've just we heard a lot about him in a year where he was not even on the roster last year. And I, I think that he's going to be in the mix somewhere along those five. And, and, you know, he can play guard and tackle and tackle, especially right tackle is what they need right now. I was surprised that uh, that, that the Raiders did not bring back Rodney Hudson. Uh, he didn't. He decided not to come back to the Raiders. That he, he's an important part of that really good, good offensive line that they've got in Vegas. Strength of, strength of their team. There. I mean, I, I thought that was the strength of their offense last year, especially in those two matchups against the Chiefs. That they just could not pressure Carr whatsoever. I mean, they got rid of four offensive linemen. I, I'm a little confused about some of the moves going on in Vegas. Okay, so let's talk about hey, before we get to Thuny um, or Tooney. I got to I've got to write it down to remind myself because um, when I look at it, I want to say Thuny, right? But it's not; it's Joe Tooney. Uh, how about the Andrew Wiley uh, uh, tender, uh, Herbie? Why uh, why bring Andrew Wiley back? I'll let Sam take that one since he was all over. Okay. It. <laughs> well, I think that Wiley, if um, first of all, he gives you insurance. You do have, you know. Herbie and I just projected the starting offensive line as a guy at right guard who didn't play a single snap last year because he opted out of the season. Well, Andrew Wiley played 88% of this, this team snaps, most of them at right guard. And obviously he had to fill in a tackle, an experiment that did not go well, but he, they thought that he was okay at, at right guard, good enough to play. And if that guy's your backup, and we've seen these past two seasons, how often they have to use their backup, you feel a lot more comfortable going to him than you would an undrafted rookie, which a lot of times fills those sixth, seventh, and eighth uh, spots on the line. Plus, he is, you do feel like he's got a little bit of versatility. You know, he can play on the left side. He can play on the right side. You want a guy that can play multiple positions as a backup. I don't think he starts this year, but I do think he's a rotational backup. And that's a good point, Sam, because, you know, because he is a restricted free agent, so you're not committing a long-term deal with him right here by tendering him. So you, know, you, you get a guy who's been in the system for the last three years. He knows this game. And he, he, is a, he is more than capable of plug-and-play inside. But like you said, Sam, if, if they find themselves in a situation where he has to kick outside again, then you just pray for the best. Well, I'm going to recommend to Joe that he drop the H from his last name just to avoid any confusion on the pronunciation. But uh, Joe Tooney, that was the big splash of the week. Uh, it was uh, quite the, – the contract was huge. Um, Herbie, take us through the – um, the, the rationale for signing uh, Joe Tooney. When you look at the Chiefs offensive line, Blair, and you even go back to when you and I were on the beat, uh, but, you know, before I took that little break and went to New Orleans, it seemed like they were always trying to find a left guard. They went through a hodgepodge of veterans there at that position. But when you get with this guy, you get an all-pro who's just 28 years old, and he's now an anchor over there on the left side of the offensive line, which is which, which, which is why, to me, it's critical they do find that left tackle. But Tooney is a guy who's a stud, a clear stud. Uh, you see those photos of him blocking for Tom Brady, and then you know he's got the guys on lockdown. This is a good signing for the Chiefs as far as getting that left guard position locked down, and it's also a good uh, anchor piece there for that left side of the offensive line. Yes, second-team All-Pro, I think, in, in 2019. Um for, for New England, won a couple of rings with, with the Patriots. 
part of a, just a great offensive line in New England. Um, how about the money? Uh, what is it, five for was it five for eighty with the, the forty three million guaranteed? Correct. And you know, no, but he's the top end of the offensive lineman, and it, it, you, you hear those numbers, and it's astounding to know that he's not even the highest paid guard in the NFL. But you know, it just goes to show you if you want one of these elite kind of guys, you're going to have to spend money for them, and the Chiefs clearly had him high on their list, and. They were willing to open the bank for him. I, I, but personally, the money aside, again, it goes back to what he's bringing to this unit. I think it's a great sign. Blair, it, it illustrates the need that they thought that they had there. I mean, I mean, it, we all saw it in the Super Bowl, but it, it shows that the move that they made there is not just based on what we saw in one game in February in Tampa. It's based on what they saw over the whole course of the season. And obviously, by paying a guy that sort of money, they felt like this was a significant need. Um, I, you know, I know this is probably unusual. I don't get quite as caught up in the money as a lot of people do. I, I think it's more about, is this guy a fit for your scheme, for your locker room, all of that? You could you could pay a guy nothing, and if he's not a fit for you, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think if you're absolutely sure and confident that the guy's going to be a fit for exactly what you need, that the money is a little bit less important than what people think is. We, we've seen the way the Chiefs have been able to bend the cap the past couple of seasons. You know, the, the the Chiefs clearly made a statement, though. You, both of you guys alluded to it, uh, but the offensive line, because Austin Ryder won't be back. And um, so Fisher, Schwartz, Austin Ryder, and, and we've we've mentioned both uh, Lucas Niang and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. The Chiefs are counting on a couple of players who opted out last year. Um, I think if we, if we came up with a depth chart right now, I, I agree with Herbie, what you said earlier, Herbie, that those would be your that would be the right side um, of, of the offensive line with Alec Reddy in the middle. There's a little trepidation there for me. Um, just, uh, the Chiefs' offensive lines have never been under Andy Reid. I don't think we've ever seen them as you know among the top three or four or five in the NFL. But always, you know, uh, ten to fifteen capable. You know, the occasional you know they have all pro player, maybe a Pro Bowl player. Mitchell Schwartz clearly was one of the best at his position, you know, Mitch Morris was a solid center. Um, LDT had, you know, had some seasons, uh, but, but reliable, I think is what we always kind of consider that offensive line. And now um, not only is, you know, unknown, the starting left tackle right now, I think unknown is, you know, the, the relative overall strength of, of this line. I think the, the chiefs are putting a lot of faith in players that did not play for the chiefs last year. I, I just find that interesting. Well, that's that's why I think, you know, bringing back a guy like Andrew Wiley makes sense is because LDT did not play last year. You know, Mike Rimmers is still out there and he, he, I think he's a guy that would be interested in coming back. We, we had this discussion. I think Herbie and I even disagreed on it because of his age. I still think it makes sense to explore what Mike Rimmers wants in free agency because he can give you some protection that, you know, he started almost every game last year, but he was not brought in to start. He was, he was brought in because of his versatility. He played left guard. He played right tackle. I would bring him back in that role. All right. So um, with the, with the signing of Tooney, does that, does that take the chiefs out of the market for Trent, Trent Williams, Herbie? I think they can still get creative enough with the cap. You know, the fact that they knew they now have, close to 2.2 million available and Tooney's contract it, it did a pretty good job of structuring that because if I'm not mistaken he's only going to count 4.5 million against the cap this year so they were able to work out a deal that's somewhat team friendly uh I don't think they're out of the running 
they just have to find a way to outbid San Francisco. That's the key thing there, and all these other shooters who have money. It is, Williams is going to command a premium price, no doubt about that. He's going to command a high-end contract, and you have to decide right then and there, are you willing to pay that kind of money for a, a left tackle who clearly is one of the best in the game, but he's he's also up there in age, or do you want to draft one like they did with Eric Fisher in 2012 and just develop that guy into a pro bowl type player? But if, you know, to go to you back to your question, yes, they, I, I believe they do have enough money to still be flexible to be in the running for him. He's 33 years old, Trent Williams. He's a future Hall of Famer. Um, it, it, what, it reminds me of a place that the Chiefs were a couple decades ago when they, they brought in Willie Rofe. And uh, Rofe was in the, the final, what, third or quarter of his career, but he gave the Chiefs, was it four seasons or five seasons of terrific, you know, offensive line play, uh, uh, Pro Bowl seasons, he just stacked them up. And, look, I think I think tackles – am I wrong about this, Herbie? But tackles, to me, can play into their mid – even to their late 30s. If they're relatively injury-free, correct. You know, if, if they haven't had any major injuries to knees or backs or anything like that, I, I think they can. But once they start getting – once they start building up those injuries, then you got to be concerned. All right. So, listen, by the time this posts on Wednesday, news uh, – the Chiefs – there may be more roster flux – for the Chiefs, so uh, we apologize for that. But are we convinced the Chiefs aren't finished in free agency? I'm convinced they're not finished. No, absolutely not. No. As much as Herbie and I might might not uh, mind taking the next three days off, no, I think they're going to be they're going to be busy for these next few days. There's much to be spent, and there's also a host of East players right now who are projected to be unrestricted free agents uh, by the deadline, 4 p.m. Eastern time, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. Uh, so you're probably going to see some of these guys coming back on one or two year contracts. Uh, so yeah, they're they're not finished. Okay, so I would I would suggest to continue to follow the tracker on KansasCity.com. Hey, I didn't want to leave tonight though, Herbie, without uh, asking you to um, share a thought about Drew Brees, who um, who retired, made it official earlier this week, and you you covered you know not only have you covered Patrick Mahomes but you covered Drew Brees over the last you know five years you've had you've had a pretty good run of covering quarterbacks um, as an NFL beat writer what uh, what do you, what do you remember most about Drew Brees or what will you remember most I will remember my first time walking out there to a training camp practice you got to remember like when I joined the Saints beat I went through years of covering Chiefs quarterbacks you know before Alex Smith arrived in solidified the position, but we're talking, ooh, you know, the, the dark times of Chiefs quarterbacks, Matt Castle, Kyle Orton, uh, Brady Quinn. I mean, the list goes on. But the first time I saw Breeze, I was just really struck by the way he approached practice. He would take wide receivers off to the side, away from the, like, prying eyes of the media or even the fans that were out there. But he was, he was walking wide receivers through why he wanted him, them to run a specific route, and this is the reason why he's going to throw the ball. And I always found that fascinating. I was like, so that's what an elite quarterback does. And then, you know, you come here to the Kansas City and you're seeing Mahomes doing the same thing. And it's, I think it's, it's that the way they're wired. Breeze was a perfectionist. Breeze was just a, he's a good quarterback, obviously. But to me, he was that really opened my eyes of what you want to see in a quarterback. And he had a heck of a career, a heck of a career. Look, I think he's an all-time top 10 quarterback. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I 
you know, one Super Bowl. Uh, I think about that with, you know, players like him and, and Aaron Rodgers has one. Russell Wilson has one. It's great that they got one, right? You, you want to be, you want to have that on your resume. But I, I think about that with Patrick Mahomes. It would have been great for him to get a second one already. He's got the rest of his career to do it. But, um, you know, I, I imagine that um, Drew Brees, his resume would just look a little better if he was a multiple Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And I think like a lot of the Saints players, if you talk to them, they'll say the same thing. They really wanted to win the second one for Drew Brees. For all his records, he has never won the league's MVP award. How about that? That, that is crazy. That is crazy. All right. Um, hey, continue to follow these guys on KansasCity.com, Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. They are bringing you the most up-to-date Chiefs news. So, hey, guys, thanks a lot. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs and free agency. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. And be sure to follow the free agent tracker that they have started on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are leading the Cactus League at spring training. March Madness is at our doorstep, and it is never not chief season, as you can tell by today's show. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like SportsBKC. Thanks for listening, and we will be back on Thursday with another episode. I bet we talk Royals. (laughs) 